0: When I think about the framing of women being forced to carry a quote unquote rapist baby, I think we are already doing damage to women's mental health and thought process around their biology and pregnancy in and of itself.
1: Caring for Both, a curbside consult series by the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, where medical professionals answer your questions about what it means to provide evidence-based, life-affirming health care to both pregnant women and their pre-born children. We know that every day in your practice and on your rotations, you face clinical situations that are challenging. We've all called a curbside consult when we need a quick second opinion on the best course of action for a patient. This podcast series is meant to serve as a curbside consult for you as you face ethically challenging patient care scenarios. Hear from experts on how they approach these situations and tips for how to think through them. Because we know that your lives are busy, we keep each episode short enough for you to listen to on your work commute, so you have the support and information you need when you need it. We upload new episodes every Thursday. I'm your host for today, Miriam Diallo. And this is part two of a two-part conversation with Robin Atkins, LMHC on abortion and mental health. Robin, thank you again for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me again. I appreciate it.
1: We'll jump straight into uh, one of the more difficult topics surrounding abortion and mental health. Even pro-life medical professionals who generally oppose abortion are concerned about how legal restrictions on abortion will affect the mental health of women who are pregnant by sexual assault. They suspect that being forced to carry a pregnancy to term when it's caused by sexual assault will compound the trauma of the assault. Uh, Do do you have any thoughts on that line of thinking? Uh, What have you seen either in the literature or in your practice?
0: I have so many thoughts on this line of thinking. I could probably talk to you about this for 10 hours straight. My issue with the framing around pregnancy after rape starts long before we start talking about mental health complications. What I see is two separate events. And again, just some personal disclosure for the listeners. Again, I don't disclose these things in my office unless it's very pertinent to whatever the client might be experiencing. But I have experienced more than one rape. I have experienced an abortion, and I've had six pregnancies total. None of my pregnancies were the result of rape. But when I think about the framing of women being forced to carry a quote-unquote rapist baby, a rapist child to term, I think we are already doing damage to women's mental health and thought process around their biology and pregnancy in and of itself. Rape is always traumatic. There is never a case when it's not traumatic and we don't require a pregnancy to remind us of the trauma. It's not as if women who don't get pregnant from rape are able to just forget the trauma and move on like it never happened. That's not realistic in reality. Um, So pregnancy after rape may or may not be traumatic, but pregnancy for a multitude of reasons may or may not be traumatic. For example, my pregnancy with hyperemesis was traumatic for me. Um, So it wasn't after a rape, but in and of itself was very physically, emotionally and mentally traumatic for me. And so I think it's a mistake to frame a biological process that happens in a woman's body, which is typically a natural and healthy process if there are no complications, as a forced situation or a negative situation. I think that sets up women's biology to be the problem rather than the rapist being the problem. So with pregnancy after rape, I think we have to look at them as two separate events. The rape is trauma and the rapist is the problem. And we need to address that. And we have a very poor history in our country of dealing with rape in any way that's adequate to address it and keep it from repeatedly happening. And then we have the pregnancy following the rape, which someone might find to be traumatic, and we need to address that trauma. Abortion is not a mental health treatment. It has never been a mental health treatment. There is no evidence to suggest that abortion alleviates any mental health symptoms. In fact, there was research done by David Ferguson, who was pro-choice out of um, New Zealand, that showed that abortion at best is neutral, at worst creates mental health problems, up to 30% of women, Um, no point does it help mental health complications. So if a woman is pregnant after a rape and she has an abortion, that abortion is not going to cure the trauma of the rape, nor will it cure the trauma of the pregnancy. It may end what she feels is crisis at the moment, but there are definitely mental health modalities and treatments we can use to address that trauma without having to focus the blame of her trauma on her biological process that is happening in her body or what is her biological child that's really interesting a new perspective on what's
1: generally taught through media narratives in your own practice have you had to have these kinds of conversations and how do you generally approach conversations with women who are considering abortion either from sexual assault or otherwise
0: yes i have these conversations um, in my practice and typically They're not conversations I have to bring up. Typically, they're conversations that my patients will bring up. Part of the intake process is what we call a biopsych social. So it's kind of a biological, psychological, sociological history of the patient. And I do have questions on there regarding pregnancy and loss and whether or not you've had an abortion is a question on there. And I go through the entire biopsych social with my patient throughout the process of their treatment. It might ask them very benign questions like, I see you've marked that you've had an abortion. Is that a topic you would like to discuss? Um, Or how are you feeling about that now? And if they're totally fine with it and don't want to talk about it, we move on. It's not about me. It's about what the patient needs. But typically, I don't even have to do that. At some point in their treatment, whatever they've come to me for, they will reveal either some shame or guilt or trauma around their abortion, especially if they're having any kind of infertility or reproductive loss, they will often tell me they feel like that's some kind of um, cosmic retribution for the abortion they've had. So it usually comes out on its own. I don't have to bring it up. Okay, interesting. And based off of
1: that, what would you say to uh, other non mental health professionals physicians etc who might be in a situation where their patient is considering an abortion and they are in the position of counseling them for that what would you recommend they do to navigate that conversation
0: That's a wonderful question I think first of all they should be aware that it is not and I'm sure they are aware I don't want to make anyone think I'm presuming they aren't but they should you know um make it known that they aren't in a position to tell a woman what to do with her pregnancy. They should disclose any kind of conscience protections they might have around that. So if they aren't doing referrals for, whether it be a pregnancy resource center, if they refuse to refer there, or if they refuse to refer for abortions, I think they need to let the patient know, based on my own conscience, rights. I do not refer to these types of places. Um, and so if you would like more information about those places, you know, there, there might be another practitioner you need to see for that. So that's the first thing. Second of all, I think doctors are wonderful at what they do. I could never be a doctor. I could never be an OBGYN. I am too squeamish around so many of the situations that they have to see day in and day out. Um, and they aren't therapists. So when it comes to counseling women on their options, I think that's best left up to counselors. So I would encourage doctors to find the counselors in their area that aren't going to be politically motivated to encourage patients to choose one thing or another. And I think the majority of therapists and counselors are ethical and will not try to sway a patient one way or another, but are going to help the patient walk through all the different pieces of health that play into that decision. So, a patient's looking at their spiritual well being, their environmental well being, their relational well being, their social well being, their financial well being, the legal well being, occupational well being. There's so many different, the physical well being, emotional well being. There's so many different pieces that go into a lifelong decision like an abortion that they really need to be given the time and space with a professional counselor to walk through those different conversations to have a well informed decision.
1: Is there anything else you think non mental health medical professionals should uh, keep in mind when thinking about abortion and how it might affect the mental health of their patients?
0: Yes. I would love if all medical professionals that are dealing with any kind of reproductive health would be screening their patients for any type of reproductive loss, any type of infertility treatments or history, any type of sexual assault history and um, any type of either high-risk pregnancy or traumatic pregnancy or traumatic birth situations. Um, We do see both in practice and in research or literature that women who have had any type of reproductive loss at all, it does not matter what kind, whether it's a miscarriage, a stillbirth, an abortion, they have a higher rate of suicidal ideation after that event. And they have a much higher rate of anxiety with following pregnancies. And so we would want them referred out to someone who can help them manage that anxiety so we can be watching for both perinatal mental health complications, depression, anxiety, OCD, psychosis, or postnatal depression, anxiety, um, psychosis, or OCD. Um, So I would want them screening for any of those events that are more likely to create mental health issues both during and after a following pregnancy.
1: That's super helpful. One last question, Robin. What would you say other pro-life medical professionals should do to, to navigate the, the conversations about the abortion that they're having with their patients, just given their personal beliefs uh, and uh, given their obligation to provide you know, f- uh, fully informed consent uh, while also remaining true to their conscience?
0: That is a really great question. I would encourage them to approach each patient with an open heart and open mind, knowing that the majority of women that are even considering abortion aren't doing though because doing so because they love abortion or think abortion is great or think abortion is going to be easy. Most often women are considering abortion because they feel like it might be their only option or their only way out. And so I would encourage them to just start by listening. Um, asking their patient, you know, what brings you to the place where you're considering this option. And especially to consider if their patient may potentially be in a domestic violence situation or an abusive situation at all or any kind of history of trauma, they might need to ask the patient those questions in privacy. Um, I would always have another profession, medical professional in the room, like a nurse or something like that, but maybe um, setting up a system if within their practice where they can make sure that anyone coming along with the patient that might be someone that's going to impact the patient or cohere or manipulate the patient is not in the room. So the patient feels free to openly discuss what their concerns are. If a a provider has any conscience protection or conscience rights issues that are going to prevent them from making referrals, I think they should state that up front. I I think I support any provider in having the right to protect their own conscience and not do anything opposed to their conscience. I don't think we can be ethical professional providers if we are going against our own conscience. We tend to lose sight of what is ethical if we're compromising ourselves in that way. And so I I encourage that, but I would have them disclose that from the beginning. And so if a patient comes and says they're considering abortion, I think it's okay for a pro-life provider to say, you know, um, I need to let you know up front that is not something that I do, nor is that something I refer out for. But I definitely care about you and I want to know What's going on in your life that has you at a place where you're considering that option? And um, are you open to hearing other options and having resources to other options as well and starting the conversation that way?
1: Is there anywhere people can go to read more of your work? I know you're active on social media. have a lot of good insights there.
0: Oh, goodness. I don't know if people want to check out my social media. I can get pretty spicy, but if they want to, I am on Twitter at TruthAgape. I do have a professional Twitter, but I hardly ever use that. My Twitter is very much my personal thoughts, um, and it doesn't just mean stick to my professional um, insights. It has a lot to do with my personal life as well. But if they want more insight into my professional life, they can check out my work with Equal Rights Institute um, I've done several podcasts there. They can look into my work that's going to be published with the help of the Institute for Reproductive Grief Care um, later this year. I have a website at www.carisatveritas.com. That's dot com, And that has wonderful information about all the different types of reproductive events I Um, work with as well as updates on the reproductive mental health curriculum that will be published later this year Uh, update is sorely overdue though so I beg people's um, pardon for the fact that it hasn't been updated nearly as often as it should I will get on that later this week
1: thank you so so much Robin for your insights and for being here today and a massive thank you to our listeners for joining us today If you have any topic requests, you can direct message us on the social media pages linked in the description of this episode. You can also email us at info at aaplog.org. And if you're a medical professional interested in joining this community as a member, you can do so by going to aaplog.org slash join. We will see you next week.